This morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. You can find this on page 983. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alison. You just want to take 30 seconds and turn to your neighbour and um, ask about their neighbours and see what answer you get back. Go. Next slide. Okay. Thank you for doing that. It's the question that is asked in this morning's passage. I wonder, I wonder how many of us know our neighbours. I know, wonder how many of us know our neighbours on our doorsteps. At Campbell is such a change in community. I wonder how, uh, how many people around us we, we know. Can I have the first slide? Thanks, Dan. This conversation in Luke um, chapter 10 is between Jesus and someone we only know as a lawyer. And it begins with the question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and I don't know what I'm gonna, about how I'm going to fit this into this morning's talk, but as I was reading this passage this week from Luke chapter 10, um, and as I reread it, the phrase which kept on coming into my prayers was the phrase to inherit eternal life. And, and I couldn't move on from this in my reflection. So I looked up what this word or what this phrase inherit was in, in the Greek. Can I have the next slide? 
And the Greek word being used for inherit here is kaironomio. And as you might um, expect, it refers to receiving by inheritance, being an heir, or obtaining an inheritance. And as I think on this phrase to inherit, my mind is drawn to another well-known passage, the parable of the prodigal son, where we encounter a son who asks his father for his inheritance. And an exciting time follows. But money, however powerful and significant in our lives, once spent, is gone. And as the son goes and lives the high life, we know how the story goes. He runs out of money very quickly. He lives a life of poverty and destitution in the place where he's gone. And then when he fully comes to self-awareness, he goes back to his father. And at the point when he goes back to his father, there's a form of, there's 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 another inheritance which happens. So the son's had his financial inheritance and has gone off and essentially squandered that. But as he comes back to the father, who in the parable is playing the part of God... He receives a second inheritance, which is eternal life. And there's that powerful invitation to inheritance, which we see through the page of Scripture, that we are co-heirs with Christ, the Bible tells us, and we are inheritors of the kingdom of God and of eternal life. And there is nothing that you or I have done to merit that, apart from coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. Being an inheritor of all that God has in store for us, being an inheritor of heaven, of eternity, of grace, of the kingdom, is not something we've earned. It's something that is given to us by invitation and grace. And the question, as we go back to Luke 10, that we start with in our passage that the lawyer chooses to ask Jesus is, teacher, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus tells a story. Jesus tells the lawyer about a man who was going on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this man is robbed. And three people see this guy lying beside the road. And two pass by and one stops and assists the man. And the headline this morning is not that a guy was robbed. Because this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is now made into a proper road, was then a rocky path through desert mountains. And it was long and it was isolated and it wasn't straight. Which made it an ideal ground for people who were going to mug and for people who were going to rob others. So sadly, this was a commonplace story that happened along this stretch of road. What is significant, the headline in this story, is that the person who stopped to help the man who was robbed was not a person that the man who was robbed would ever have expected to stop and help him. (coughs) I hope that made sense. The guy who was robbed never expected who it was who would stop and help him, that it would be a Samaritan. And we'll come back to that later. But as we gather this morning in this community of Camborne, we stand in an exceptionally diverse community. 
I was at a meeting a few weeks ago where reference was made to the fact that something like 37 languages are spoken in Camborne. And it's true, isn't it? As you walk from you know, one part of Camborne to the next, particularly if you walk through busy areas like Morrison's, you'll hear all sorts of accents and languages, and you'll see people of all ages and backgrounds. We live in a, in a, in a wonderfully diverse uh, community. And others in the church, I've stolen this phrase from, we're all immigrants. No one in Camborne has been here for longer than 15 years, so we've all moved here from somewhere. And that's a wonderful reality. We're a diverse community, and we come from the UK, and we come from Europe, and we come from America, and we come from across the world to live together and work together and worship together. But aside from the community which is on our doorsteps, from the neighbours that you might have identified when um, you were talking at the start of this talk, there is a global community which we're a part of. And the lawyer's question in Luke 10 about who is my neighbour might prompt us to ask ourselves who we consider to be our neighbour and whether we see ourselves as part of a global community. And if you were that man on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho and you saw the first two people coming, who would you expect to stop and help you? And so as you cast your eye down the passage in Luke 10, you'll find out that a priest passed by and a Levite, a leader of the Jewish people, passed by. And wouldn't you have thought, probably as a Jew, though we're making an assumption there, that the guy who was robbed would expect the Levite and the priest to be people who would stop and assist. Challenges me as a priest that the priest passed by. The person who the uh, robbed man might expect to stop carried on. And it could have been hours before the next person came along on that sort of stretch of road. And can you imagine a despondency on the part of this man who was robbed when people came and you think there's hope, someone's going to help me. And as you might identify through clothing or otherwise that these were people that you'd expect to help you and you start to feel encouraged and then people pass on by and you have to deal with the discouragement and your hope fades quickly. Who would you have expected to stop by? And I wonder what it's like for people who find themselves in the midst of tragedies and awful circumstances like the people of Nepal. And we've been prayerfully supporting uh, the people and communities in Nepal affected by the earthquake since it happened. And I'm sure many of us have been financially supporting the relief work there. But I wonder how the Nepalese people imagined that the world and communities around the world might react to the earthquake and the disaster that they experienced. People they didn't perhaps even know existed. They don't know our names here, and yet we've been upholding them in prayer. And I wonder if they now have a sense of being part of a wider community around the world who are going to stand with them in prayer and practical and financial support. And we know it's a privilege for us to be able to stand with our mission partnerships in prayer and practical support. 
So if you picked up April's mission and giving update, and if you haven't, there are some on the stand in the foyer, you'll have read about our partnership with the Uzumas Teli Foundation in Nairobi, where Pastor George and Jacqueline provide rescue and care for destitute orphan children in the slums. You'll have read of our partnership with Desire, who came to talk to us, and Claudeline in the Democratic Republic of Congo in Goma. Again, ministering to orphans and fatherless children, empowering women through the gifting of, of sewing machines and tuition to become expert tailors. And most recently at Easter, we rejoiced when we were able to, to Skype Jonathan and Dan and Joel um, in Romania working with outstretched hands and to see the work that they were doing, ministering practically and in Christ's name out there. We are part of a global community. And as we look back to Luke chapter 10, we see that there's a resonance. The man robbed and left for dead would have seen the first two coming and think, Okay, these are going to help me out. A priest and a Levite, my own people, devout religious people, they will stop and help me. And I equally wonder what he thought when he saw the Samaritan coming down the road after the first two had passed by. And what you have to understand at this point is that there are hundreds of years of animosity between the Samaritan people and the people of Israel, the Jewish people, which has built up over hundreds of years. And once something's been, been there for hundreds of years, it becomes enculturated. It becomes just part of, a, of indoctrination and culture, and generations pass on the hostilities. And we know that through other conflicts around the world. And so this guy who was robbed, if he was Jewish, would have seen the Samaritan coming and think, things are about to get worse. One of my enemies is coming towards me. And as the Samaritan draws near, I wonder exactly what the guy who was robbed was thinking. And I wonder how his understanding changes as not only does the guy stop and come over, but pick up the robbed man, put him on his donkey and take him to a place of safety, provide him with food and drink and pay for his care. I wonder how perspective and attitude changes when love and mercy come together in such a powerful combination. And there's an interesting point there. We don't know the perspective of the guy who was robbed. And that might be because his injuries were too severe, or it might just be that, that we don't get told. What we do get told is the perspective of the lawyer as Jesus tells him the story. And so if you look at the, um, the last few verses of Luke 10... Um, where Jesus says, okay, well, which one was right? And the lawyer replies, well, the one who showed mercy, of course. And Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. But this lawyer was an expert in the law. Uh, and, and he referred to Jesus' as teacher, which gives us the impression that he was a Jew himself. Remember what I said about the hostility built up over hundreds of years between the Samaritan people and the Jewish people. And Jesus, just in telling this story, changes this guy's perspective 360 degrees. In, in this story, this lawyer sees that love and mercy can profoundly alter his perspective on people around him. And so his perspective on the Samaritans changes. There's another thing that interests me about this story. I don't have it in my notes, so I'll be careful on time here. 
it interests me that such an expert in the law who is probably used to dealing with uh, emotional situations in quite a clinical way has his whole life story changed or life perspective changed by being told a story. There's something that, that I'm a little bit cynical about in that encounter. But the cynicism gives way when you realize that this guy is meeting with Jesus. And in this encounter with Jesus, we find lives transformed. We find it ourselves when we draw close to God in our worship. We find that our perspective alters, that we have a different way of seeing life because of the work of the Spirit within us. And so when Jesus starts telling this story, more is going on than just the facts of the story itself. The Holy Spirit is working in in the lawyer's life, revealing the manifest presence of God to him and he changes because of the combination of the teaching he is receiving and the work of the Holy Spirit within him. And there's a lot there that we can come back to at a later stage. But the headline is Mercy Wins. The neighbor is the one who showed mercy. And politics at its simplest, because we're in a series where we look at political issues at the moment, and this is our last one, and so we're looking at what it is to be a global community. Politics at its simplest is about the way in which we organize a society, a community of people. And of course, our politics here in the UK has enormous potential through international development, disaster relief work, charitable activities, and fair trade to support other communities around the world. But we do have to first continually recognize that we are part of this broader, this wider community, and we have a small yet significant part to play within it. And there's a final point here this morning, and I'm drawing to a close. And it's appropriate to make this final point because we've just shared in the joy of Maisie Millie and Emma's baptism. Love and mercy transcended historic animosity between the Jewish, um, uh, between the lawyer who was a Jew and the Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And our baptism, for those of us who are baptized, transcends similar cultural, economic, and language differences. So I can stand alongside someone from a completely different background and a completely different economic position and a completely different language. I, as a Christian in this country, can stand alongside someone in Romania or Goma or Uzumatelli or Nepal as a brother in Christ. And you can stand alongside them in prayer and in giving and in practical support as brothers and sisters in Christ too because we have this common link through our baptism. We are all baptized into the one church. We are all baptized into the name of Jesus. And perhaps I'm crowbarring at this point, but we can, as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus from across the world, also stand together as we receive that inheritance. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Put our faith and belief and our life in the hands of Jesus Christ. And together, with communities diverse across the world, We inherit eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you created the world in all its richness and diversity. You created us to be be diverse communities, 
and you created us all to know your name. You told us to go out and baptize the nations and to make disciples of them, that all may come to know your salvation and redemption in their lives. And so we pray that you keep us ever prayerful for the needs of communities across the world. And so we continue as we stand in prayer for the people of Nepal, for the people of Goma, for the people of Uzumatelli. We stand in prayer for people who have left family and friends in other countries to come and live and work here in Camborne. We pray for people who feel isolated from community, for those who don't know the gift of fellowship in their lives. And we say, make us aware of others around us, near and far. And bond us together in your love. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.